Hello, you guys. Welcome back to our podcast. Um, thanks for joining us. We are We Are Not Broads, and as We Are Not Broads, it is our vision to positively influence the Zimbabwean youth to move together to create a safe environment for victims of gender discrimination and gender-based violence. I'm Kira, and I'm actually, funny enough, in our previous podcast that we, we talked about having new members of We Are Not Broads, and I am joined today with two members of our, two new members of We Are Not Broads. So you guys want to introduce yourself. Hi, my name Hello, is my name is <laughs> And today in this episode, we are going to be talking about book and movie tropes and the different types that we see, that how they have the ability to change how we view things, tropes that we like in particular, why we don't like certain tropes, and even the examples that we're like faced with, you know? And I mean, there's like good and bad things all the time, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Some of them are problematic, but that's what we're about to discuss. Um, what is, I don't know, it's like, it's like, you know, like tropes have the ability to stereotype people. So like in a way, we always kind of like want to be a certain stereotype. You know, like you go to high school and there's the good girl or there's the bad boy. There's like you couldn't necessarily be the in-between, you know, like you couldn't be have bad qualities if you wanted to be a good girl. That makes sense. You could, there was like book and movie tropes had the ability to make it. You could only fit one stereotype. You couldn't fit anything else, which is why I, like, in a sense, is like the problematic in that sense, you know. Um, I mean, there are so many things, even like in life, like we had, oh, you're a visco girl or a bra girl or like that weird emoji girl. Like you, you that girl, into <laughs> that girl. What was the other thing? Like a hot Cheeto girl or something. Like, <laughs> everyone has a certain thing that you're trying to be like, I've always wanted to be quiet and mysterious, but I talk too much for that. <laughs> and then there's the, the quirky girl, the one who's very bubbly and crazy and so individualistic. Big. Like, oh, there's so there's so many you know there's like the bad boys there's and like that's who we were talking about it earlier we were talking about wasn't it what's the guy's name from the kissing Noah in the Noah kissing Noah, Noah. The kissing dark and brooding dark and brooding so toxic he's just and misunderstood you just don't get him guys <laughs> yeah like I don't know God you want to explain that because you kind of brought that to light in our conversation um, I thought it was very interesting. It was always uh, a dark-haired, violent guy with a very violent past of beating up a bunch of boys. And now when you meet this character, and especially in the kissing booth, when you interact with this character, she is now fangirling over, wow, he's defending my honor and punching boys who smack my bum. Oh my goodness, so hot. He's not sexist. He avoids saying sexist comments. That's not the bare minimum at all. That's so sexy. It's a, it's a very common trope. It's in a lot of um, movies and books. And I think that one was the biggest, most popular and just irritating to me. Yeah. No, but like, Ali and Noah, was that her name? No, that's the notebook. That's the notebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't remember what the girl's name was it? in the kissing. It was, uh, was it Ella? Was it Ella? L, L, it was L. L, it was L. L, you were close. You were close. Another reason why these characters are so forgettable. Yeah. yeah. No, but even even the Notebook has its toxicities. As much as I love to be that fair. movie, Alien Notebook also. Yeah, um, to so, be fair. 
Al, Al, Al and Noah. Do you know, those guys did not know how to fight each other. They didn't know how to have a proper conversation. Al got mad at Noah, went home, started going on these dancing dates with some other guy, some hot Marco guy. Then Noah finds out, instead of talking to him, being like, this may be uncomfortable, he's like, no, I'm going to bring the girl that you've been jealous of. The girl whose earring you found under my bed. I'm going to bring her home with me. Meet my family. Zero effective communication. Zero They don't. They couldn't. From from the first movie to the third movie, they could. They lacked. They lacked communication completely. And that goes back to now toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. They were the like toxic relationship. And I don't. I like still on the the whole thing of the kissing booth. But the third movie, I watched it. But it was the same thing as the first two. Don't get me wrong. And it was like, mm-hmm. you're quite, she, I was faced with Marco, who was there with her the whole time, never lacked communication, was like, <laughs> I don't, like, he was always there, you know? And it's like, you're constant, people constantly are faced with a good guy that she's always going to be there for you versus a toxic guy who says, you can't see this guy anymore. But girls don't mm-hmm. like nice guys. Oh, nice guy. Nice. Oh, nice guy's gonna slap. like the bad boys. They don't want someone who's gonna treat them right. Oh my god. Because I don't know, that's like, that's insane. what people were being exposed to. It's always like that sense of, like, oh, even though he's bad to other people, he'll be nice to me. Like, he'll change. That's for so me. harmful. Because if he's bad to other people, there's no guarantee he's going to be nice to you. Mm-hmm. He's showing other people his true self. Why do you think he's going to go behind closed doors? And kiss you on the cheek. What? But remember what? the first movie. Like, Al genuinely put herself in dangerous situations that in real life you shouldn't. When he was, like, on the beach after beating someone up. And now he's, like, following her, screaming at her. And, like, banging on the back of the car. He's like, get, get in the, the car! car Al! And Al was like, okay. And then they end up having sex under the Hollywood side. In that real life, scary. you should get out of there. That car. That is terrifying. That's terrifying. Scream at you, it's awful. But can you see the ability in the way, like, like look at us, we're like very mature in the sense that we can recognize this is not correct. But imagine the, the people younger than us that are watching this, they like this is what they're growing up with and this is what they're exposed to, you know. What about like trying to be a generation that can change, but then like there's still movies and still things that are being what's the word like produced that can still mm-hmm. as still backwards in that sense. And I mean, I Absolutely. get that, I get that was the book, I get that was the movie, you know. It has very wattpad vibes because it came from Wattpad. But <laughs> it seems like a book. It was. was straight from there. It was straight from Wattpad. And I mean the, another book that was straight from Wattpad was after Oh no. After series. <laughs> Don't even after um, we have Arden again our breeding boy. <laughs> our breeding boy. Oh, Miscommunication. British, British, that's another thing that they like. They like making them British. Yeah. We won't talk about the fact that he was based on a teenage Harry Styles. No, no, no. Listen, that. Guys, I don't know. If anyone doesn't know this and is looking at was looking at this like, oh my gosh, wow, it's harder than Tessa. Girls, this was based off of a Harry Styles fan fiction. Go to Warfare and it's the, and Harden's name is Harry. Let's go there. It was Harry think... Styles fan fiction. The writer was in like her twenties. Harry was a teenager. Yeah, I think when she started the book, um, the 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 basis for those who haven't read it after or watched the movies is that Tessa is the good girl, such a good Christian a good girl, girl, so modest, so like chaste, right? She goes to uni and of course she meets Harden, this bad boy. Bad boy. 
hates everyone and everything. No, like, it's such a traumatic part. Violent. 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 Doesn't know how to communicate. And and so she starts to fall in love with him because, like, you know, opposites attract or whatever. And then he takes her virginity and then discovers that the entire time he had made a bet with his friends that he could take her virginity. And to prove that he won the bet, took the bloody sheets that they had sex on and showed them to his friends. Like, oh, but that's in the book, isn't it? That was in the book. It wasn't in the movie. It, I don't no, I don't think it made it to the movie. It didn't make it to the like, movie. Original story. No, like, but like, why is it this thing? Like, I remember God brought it up where it's like when men men don't show any emotion other than anger. Like, I'm sad, so I'm going to break things. I'm. It's angry. a very common thing in media. Me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very very common where you see a bunch of uh, male characters and a lot of these toxic tropes where they'll go through something absolutely traumatic. Or they'll have some really big emotion and the only way that they can express it or the only way that they're allowed to express it, let's say, in media is through anger, through breaking things, punching walls. And then vice versa, when you have a woman, a female character in these movies and in these media tropes, the only way that she can express her emotions through these, perhaps she's angry, she's sad, she's happy, she has to be crying, she has to be small, she has to be dainty. It's absolutely it's very common and when you watch like Harden or Harry what is his name in this movie Harden <laughs> no his name's Harden watch Harden in that movie he gets really frustrated with Tessa and he like throws something and punches a wall and it was like oh, okay didn't he throw I think in the second one he threw a lampshade at the wall yeah I think so. And like, just put put it out there. The movies don't represent how toxic the relationship actually is. Like, in the movies, you can see the toxicity. But in the books, it's even more. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. That's very true. And I remember the age people read this was like form one, form two. That's what people 13, 14. And they thought, oh, my gosh, no. And the thing is, I read the book. I read the book. And I think I'm fortunate that... I had a really good example of a healthy relationship in my older sister. So yeah. like I was reading the book and I was like, this, why, why are you guys talking about this? Like, it's amazing. Like this, yeah. this is not what a relationship is meant to be like. Yeah. Like why are you romanticizing something that is, that it shouldn't be. But, the, and we, and, but you think it's normal because we see it's it so not. much on TV that when a guy tells you like, oh, I can't live without you. you. I die without you. Whatever. Like, you think it's real because you've seen it so much in TV. You're like, oh, this is how relationships work because they're being marketed towards unexperienced people who have no idea what a relationship is meant to be like. So yeah. when you have some guy who's emotionally manipulating you, you're like, no, 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 no. It's romantic. This is romance. This is this how it's supposed love. to be. It's supposed to be. <laughs> okay. Like, okay. So kind of swaying from this, right? But is there a specific trope that you guys don't believe in? You know, they could, they could be like... Enemies to lovers. No way, really? <laughs> I know. If you if, listen, unless it is like a specific miscommunication trope, and this is just me, there is a reason. If it's miscommunication or if it's like our families or like, you know, Romeo and Juliet, I don't know. Otherwise, there is a reason I did not like you at the beginning. That is not going to be the same reason I fall in love with you. Oh, God, it, it's just not going to happen. 
I That's love just how I feel. enemies to love your story. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, maybe I'm a little bit romantic, but like I read, I read the series, and it was such a beautiful enemies to lovers cool. arc. It, it was called. Cool. It's called the Children of Blood and Bone. Okay. Um, Nigerian author. Uh, I, 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 I feel like I'll butcher her name, but Tommy, it's, is it that one? It, yeah, Tommy. I don't know how to say her last name. Adeyemi. Yeah. Yes. Um. Really amazing books. I'm waiting for the third one to come out. And the reason that this girl didn't like him was because he was from the royal family, and the royal family murdered her mother, and has enslaved the people of her kind. Um. Hey. But Inan, the prince, Inan. Inan wanted to help, okay? He loved her. He was mm. like, I'm going to change it for you. I'm going to make it different. But Inan yeah. was also a daddy's boy. Like, he really, any, he wanted to please his dad so much. So he mm-hmm. ended up not picking her. And- no, but, in, like, <laughs> but in that sense, if I can understand where you're coming from. But then I agree with you and said that I've been so, I've been exposed to such good enemies to lovers books. Like, I've read um, The Hating Game. Like, that was a work romance to enemies to lovers. Yeah. But it was, like, they were fighting over a job, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, it, I guess, oh, this is a bad thing. In the in the enemies of it, I'm realizing it now that I think about it. The reason that I liked it was that she helped him see things. It was that they, uh... she helped him see a different perspective. Um, so I guess it was that, like, they, through communicating and talking to each other, they learned different aspects of themselves and learned to be better you know and that's how relationships should be like you shouldn't be someone who brings out the worst in you and makes you angry but it's like no love and hate are both four little words like that's that's not (laughs) that's not the vibe it's like becoming better through the person that you're in a relationship with but also you can't be two halves to you must be holes by yourself that function together you know Mm -hmm. yes I get that I used to say I don't, I didn't believe in right person, wrong time. But then, like, there's examples out there that, okay, maybe in books and movies, I haven't seen it, to be fair. Okay. Right person, wrong time. Um, I, my initial point of view on right person, wrong time was that if it is the wrong time, they are probably not the right person. Yeah. But <laughs> when you see, like, examples of it, when, it, when you see examples of it in real life, it yeah. totally makes sense. And people exactly. are like, oh my goodness, I met this person in college and in college I was a partier and then five years later we lost contact and then we came back together and now we're married. And it's like, okay, yeah. And then when you see it in books, you're like, hmm. Wait, okay, no. I'm thinking now, but it's called, it was a movie, it was a, it's a book and it was made a movie. It's called The Letter from Your Last Lover. I don't know if you guys have seen mm-hmm. it. That was right person, but wrong time, to be fair. It's but that the was, one where they like send letters to each other, and, and they're having yeah. a whole, and the girls having an affair, and it's, mm-hmm. it's oh. so this girl is having an affair, and then she's about to run away with her lover, yeah. and on her way there, she gets into a car accident, Student. and then and she, then the husband amnesia, yeah, amnesia, and yes. then the husband is like, oh, he also died with you in the car type of situation, but he didn't die, but he didn't die because he wasn't he in the car. Die? That, but I don't know if that, that's a show about me. I think that's something I mean, like amnesia. And then, like, yeah. the person has to relearn to love you and whatever. <laughs> I feel I like that's, that's, that's a little ridiculous. Actually, I don't know. that seeps into the soulmate trope. 
that one of like Ooh, yes. you are you are destined to fall in love with me even if you lose your memory fifty times a day. Yeah. I don't know no, how I feel about this so that much. That was Ali and Noah. That's how they kept falling in love when she had dementia and he'd read her the novel. Said, read this to me and I'll come back to you. Oh my no, goodness. I'm sorry. I love the notebook. I I I know yeah, we can tell. Went, we can tell. It's okay. But I love them so much. Okay. Do you know what I hate though? Twilight. Ooh, ooh. Oh, I am such on that. <laughs> what my friend and I? I literally feel like I feel like, like I feel like we're gonna become the people that are literally gonna stop listening at this point. They'll be like, no, you don't like them. You don't like Twilight. Leave. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. My friend and I made it a game. We're like, every time Edward does something that's emotionally or physically abusive, yeah. you have to like do something. Like I don't know what we were drinking. I think it was like soy sauce or something, and we couldn't continue because we ran out. <laughs> like there's a point where Jasper, like Bella cuts herself. And instead of Edward taking her and running, Edward smacks her. She flies, hits the hits like a table full of vases and is now bleeding more because she's covered in blood. Even in the first movie, when she was being attacked by um, James, he like hits her. She, he just throws her so much. And then like with Jacob, when she wanted to go see Jacob and he overheard the conversation and took the battery out of her car that she couldn't go and see him because he's like, no, That's you're not. That's insane. It's absolutely insane. And yeah. watching her sleep, following her around. Edward was a creep, guys. Edward was actually yeah. so Those creepy. are two dark and brooding characters in one franchise. I feel like for me, it was just way too much because you just come from, like you cannot have a Noah and a Harden in the <laughs> same movie. How do you function? How do you Jacob, do it? Jacob just didn't understand what consent was. Bella said, no, I'm dating someone else. And he's like, no, but I'm going to kiss you. And then exactly. you realize that I'm in love with you. And I was like, that's not how it works. That's not how, that's not how it works. Honestly. Um, Twilight. Twilight, yeah. It's, it's on its own level, honestly. I think it was the trope that of like, it was more the werewolf versus vampire. Like, who's she going to pick? You know, oh, yeah. it was that people focus more oh, yeah. on that than like yeah. But something that's like universal across books, movies, everything is like the idea of having to pick who you're going to be with, like a love triangle. Less like, a love triangle. Selection. The selection it was Aspen and the Prince. Yes. And then it, no, but and, Aspen. And, just, but Aspen was tro- problematic. Aspen's Aspen was why problematic. Why chose the Prince. Exactly. I'm glad she chose the prince. Exactly. Um, in Twilight, Bella and Jacob. Oh. In the kissing booth, Marco and, and no, Noah. And Noah. To all the boys. That to all the boys. The other one. Yeah, but in Pardon? after, in after, it's like it's always had every single book. There's a new love interest that comes in. That's very true. Oh yeah, but she always picks Harden, picks, doesn't she? Always she picks Harden. Why do you go back to the toxic relationship? That is the question. Why must you go back? <laughs> I think one of the bigger problems is, yes, these things do happen in real life when you talk about like attachments and you talk about, you know, having toxic attachments to people and going back to your ex and all that types of things. But in terms of media, it's so important to have positive examples of what we should be looking for. Yeah, because I agree. Like, Dave, as you said, you have like your older sister who had a good example of relationship and I can have like my parents who have a good example of relationship. Yeah. And not everyone has that. 
So in a situation where media is so huge and so popular, you need to be able to see a good example of communication, a good mm-hmm. example of forgiveness, a good example of just talking through your problems and solving and leaving toxic relationships yeah. rather than series and franchises where we're constantly going back and jumping from toxic relationship to toxic relationship. Agree. I, I think just sorry to sorry to interrupt. To, uh, jump onto no, that. Sorry, sorry. To jump onto that point, I was going to actually say that one of my favorite series to read is called the Addicted Slash Callaway Sister series. Like, mm-hmm. it sounds terrible, but it's like the first, it's like it's got such a good examples of for me friends to lovers, enemies to lovers, and age gap relationships. It's got such yeah. a good examples of communication of how your lives can be different. And I mean, like there's such like it was the, that was the books the books that got me into reading. And just for those who want to read it, it's a ten book series, but it's worth your time. It's worth your time. Because there's such good examples and there's such hardships there. But like what you're saying with communication, that we don't see good examples of what a good relationship is supposed to be like. We don't see examples of, the, of communication. Like in the sense of those books are what exposed me to like higher my, my relationship expectations from what I've been exposed to. That makes sense. And I think it yeah. can help people. So that's just my example. It was nice. I also liked All the Boys I've Loved Before. I think that one is another good example, um, surprisingly. Yeah. Because I feel like one of their biggest problems at the beginning of the movie, well, like at the beginning of the franchise was literally just, aside from fake dating, the miscommunication trope. And then when you go through the rest of the series, they learn to become better at it. And they, as you see them become better at it, it's just more exciting to watch it develop. Yeah, those are good examples. And I think it's like, it's good to know that there is stuff out there that are good examples in that sense. Um, it's just sad that there aren't more of them that the yeah we need yes. we have way too many examples of toxic relationships yeah you uh, know what? i personally i'm going to admit that i'm not a big fan of the fake dating trope same simply because it's so predictable as soon as you say let's pretend i just i'm like okay no it's time to tap out so i don't know i don't know mm. oh, that's fair that is fair. It's fair. Um, but the romanticism of very inappropriate relationships. Because I was watching Glee again today. And I got the episode <laughs> where Rachel is in love with Mr. Shu and is now showing up to his house to clean his oh. house and make him dinner. He's her teacher. Even. Why why is she at his house? That movie and, just I found time I watched it. I was like and in that case, I wouldn't even blame, like, the student in that situation. But, like, the teacher, the adult in the situation should have been able to process that, no, this is very inappropriate and this should not be happening anymore. I, I don't know. I can't, I'm a sucker for an age gap. I'll give you that. But if it's done correctly, in that sense, which is why I'll, yeah. I will refer to the Addicted series, which is the, the third book, which was between Daisy and the guy's name was Reich. They met when Daisy was 17 and he was 22. He refused a relationship with her. She, they, they, everyone knew she liked him. He refused to have any sort of feelings or anything with her until like she, they felt like they were ready. And it took, I think he was then 27 or 28. And she was in her 20s as well. And then that, obviously things had changed in that sense. But like, I, it's like if it's done correctly, you know, you can understand that okay, now she's in her 20s. It's a different story from when she was a teenager. 
Yeah, it can teeter very close to the edge of grooming. And I think people mm-hmm. have become desensitized to grooming. And it's not yeah. called out enough. Even for the victims, because I remember um, I was reading, because it's funny that it's going back to book trips, but there was a book I was reading called uh, My Dark Vanessa. And I could not get through it because it was this woman who had been groomed by her English teacher when she was in like high school, college. Yeah. And she was still in contact with him. But now it was during the big spark of the Me Too movement. And a lot of people were coming up saying, having allegations against him. Yeah. And she couldn't come to terms with the fact that what had happened between her and her teacher was not a forbidden romance. It was grooming and rape. What had happened between them, she kept calling him and saying, can you just reassure me? Tell me what happened that day. Paint the story for me because I can't seem to remember it as anything positive. And I remember being so like, I just felt so sick. It was so sad that her as a victim, she was struggling to come to terms with the fact that she was a victim. And when you've made it so apparent to the reader that this girl suffered, it's incredible. So when you think about it in terms of like real life and you're talking about all of these victims from um, 25 year olds and from 45 year olds dating people half their age or teenagers, you start to realize that when you talk to the person who was a victim of that, they don't even realize that that was a problem until you point it out. That's true. And I think part of it is because we see so much of it in media and like as young people, especially with no experience of it, and the only place that a lot of times that we do learn this stuff is online and through TV and books and stuff. That's where we get our ideas of life. Yeah. So if you read in a book and think, oh my gosh, this is so romantic. When you see it in real life, you wouldn't realize, oh my gosh, this is rape. And then the show You. <laughs> no. Joe. Do you Joe, know what? Was her name Love? I feel like her name was Love. Her name was Love. Do you know what? I think the thing with You is it is, he's supposed to be problematic. He yeah. is supposed to be a, it yeah. takes it to the point where because in other movies when you see like the stalking trope it's always like, so like people can tell like, you can tell yeah. it's not normal and it's not supposed yeah. to be normal because yeah. it wasn't because it was made to be like that yeah, i think it's especially also... made that way because we hear his inner monologue exactly. so we hear him saying and i just changed her phone number i watched her shower i followed her to her room and then we i kidnapped him, like, her boyfriend and people. kept him in a glass cage Oh yeah, guys. All in the name of love. Mm-hmm. I just a book series. I just didn't vibe with. It was so problematic. It was. It's called the Sinners of Saints series. I can't even. It's like it's a whole bunch of friends. They're like these bad boys from high school, and they're just so misogynistic. They're so toxic, and everyone talks about the one book, Vicious. And that's his nickname, by the way. It's vicious. He's like, they're like, oh my gosh, it's enemies to lovers, but it's so toxic. He literally says, you can't, no one can date you. He makes her move to a whole nother city um, because she was dating his best friend. And then it was, it was so much wrong with it. So much wrong with it. And it was like, like you guys said, like we said earlier, it was the whole thing of he just didn't communicate properly. 
He just they they just argued, and he was possessive. She didn't have that freedom. Yeah. Romanticizing possessiveness is scary. Like, have you ever heard someone be like, "Oh, my boyfriend said I can't wear." Your boyfriend said, <laughs> said what? what? <laughs> said who? Does he pay, does he pay your school fees? <laughs> my boyfriend said I can't wear this. It's like why? Why? I feel like a lot of times it needs a lot of like communication going yeah. backwards because you need to be able to say, "Hey, actually, we talked about this, and this is a boundary that we created together." Otherwise, if you come up to me and you say, "My boyfriend said I can't wear flat sandals because they remind him of his ex," I'm simply just going to laugh at you. Yeah. Like, I'm simply <laughs> going to be baffled. I'll ask you. So, is your boyfriend not over his ex then? Like, I think. Definitely, when you talk about like context in those situations inside of the relationships, it makes yeah. a lot of sense when they actually explain it. But in terms of after that, it's not. That doesn't make sense. It's not helpful. And like, there's a difference between setting a boundary and being, being controlling. Control. Like being like, okay, I'm not comfortable when you do X Y Z because it makes me feel like X Y Z. Between you cannot wear that because I don't like the color purple. <laughs> yeah, you know. That's very true. That's very, very true. The portrayal of plus size women in media. Yes. And like a lot, I mean, it's gotten a lot better now, but like even you think like big plus size model, it's like Ashley Graham is like the main person who people yeah. look towards like, oh, it's like yeah. for plus size women. But like, yeah, like you said, not being attractive until they lose weight. It's, yeah, there's a very big thing about in like Insatiable, and I don't think Insatiable is the first uh, series to have done it because I'm pretty sure there's not, a lot of them that have done it, but it's the only one that came to mind when you said that. Of how she goes, she's big and she's unattractive at the beginning, and then she gets into a coma and loses all this weight in her coma and wakes up, and now she's attractive, and now it's her time to get revenge on everyone who bullied her when she wasn't as slim as she was now. And it's so, even when you talk about like Fat Amy from Pitch Perfect, and you talk about all these types of movies that make being plus size the butt size of the joke, the butt, what? The butt that size is, of the joke. <laughs> <laughs> the butt of the joke. I don't know. It's just um, another media trope that is very common and still very harmful to the way that people are treated in general in society. And in movies as well it's true i mean the... go oh no sorry go go no you go you go goodbye let's go it's that the the plus size girl is always there to love to be laughed at yeah like she doesn't get the real love she doesn't get like the the beautiful romance arc of everything she did she might get like the awkward guy like how fat amy ended up with that guy from the treble clefts, the kind yeah, of yeah. weird one she ended up with him, like who was like everyone thought was annoying, but she ends up with him. Um, but I think a good movie in talking about plus size people was Dumplin'. It was it's it's a girl whose mom was like a pageant queen. Um, but now the girl, she she's plus size and her mom had a plus size sister who in who had died of a heart attack. But now um, her mom is always telling her, you should eat, you should do you, you shouldn't eat those burgers, you should try to lose weight, you should try to be skinny, right? And then she, out of, out of Hasha, 
purely to spite her mother, enters the pageant that her mother is running. And her mother is trying to stop her because the mother's like, you can't enter the pageant. You are not like, um, you're not fit for pageants because she was big. And her mom is like making the dress and like bonding with this other girl who's played by Dove Cameron. And you know what Dove Cameron looks like. She's like the blonde, blonde, so skinny, so perfect, right? And then like she sees this happening. She's like, no, I'm going to get into this pageant. And she she works hard. It's not even like it was a joke. She she had a love interest, but it even addressed the fact that she didn't feel like he could love her because she was fat. Like I think there was a point where they're like kissing and he tries to touch her and she jumps back because she feels insecure about that because she's like, like girls that look like me don't get like the the hot um the hot guy at the end of the movie but she goes through this journey where she meets people who are going to love her and who put her in these big glamorous outfits and like yes you are ready to go on stage and she gets to go to the end like perform at the pageant actually do amazing um as a plus size girl yes it's pretty that's what yes. I was thinking the whole when you time. said um girls who look like me don't get Thank the guy I immediately thought of hairspray she says that line in one of the songs yeah and that is another really good example for me because when she in that movie was like trying to get this place on tv and she's trying to dance with everyone and she's also siding with um the African-Americans who are trying to also get placed on TV exactly. and it was it was a very interesting thing of how she falls for this guy will fall but she likes this guy and she's trying to say to everyone that you know what even though I'm big I'm still worthy of love and I'm still worthy that he can that he's gonna like me back oh Musical I can hear the guys. bells <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of that the whole time no, but even even her parents like it was it was her mom was big and her dad wasn't and like even when the mom was saying like I'm I know I'm big you don't love me you want to be with the the mom woman. was even scared to leave yeah. the house yes she did not want it. she had not left the house in like fourteen years or something Literally. it was insane I mm-hmm. I can't remember the lyrics but it's the song um where her parents are singing to each other yes. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's when the when they're going around the apartment and he's like, um, I he, I love you. It does. I don't care that you're fat. I don't care what you look like. I love you because you are you and yeah. everything about you. And I think that was great. I loved that. Me too. Do you know what what else is interesting? Because you just reminded me of um musicals entirely, and musicals have are similar to those tropes and everything. Oh, yes. When you have your brooding boy, for example, when you when you said hairspray, I also thought of Greece. Greece, we have our brooding guy, and we have our perfect girl, our innocent and girl, our very innocent girl who falls for this brooding guy when he's pretending to be in a world that she's from over the holidays, and then they see each other, and suddenly he's nothing like what he pretended to be to her. And then you get to the end of the movie, well, musical, and they both decide that they're going to change for each other. And it's just a story that with enough effective communication towards like the five, last five minutes of it could be great. And it's a great musical. So I don't know. It's an interesting thought. It is. It is. Like, I agree. I think musicals sometimes aren't taken seriously because of the music, but the mm-hmm. storyline is always there. 
musicals, I also think musicals are the best at representation. Hamilton, yeah. for example. Exactly. I was just thinking the, the three Skylar sisters, one was black, one was Asian, one was Latina. They were the sisters. Like there's always so much like diversity in musical cast that just makes yeah. me so happy. I don't know. I just they blur the lines of trying to be realistic. It does. That's true. That's true. I think it's because the premise of a musical is the fact that no one just bursts into song to express their emotion. I wish we did, but no one exactly. bursts into song to express their emotion. So already we know what we're walking into and we can go as bizarre and as crazy as we want to while still approaching like topics like uh, in Next to Normal, we talk about mental health. In Falsettos we talk, and Rent, we talk about like HIV and AIDS. A lot of musicals talk about these topics and communication and relationships way better than movies do sometimes. I found the lyrics, um, which I think would be fun to know, of the song that John, that um, the mom and dad sing to each other in okay. Hairspray. She's, uh, he, he says, you're like a stinky old cheese, babe. Just getting riper with age. You're like the fatal disease, babe, but there's no cure, so let this fever rage. Some folks can't stand it, say time is abandoned, but I take the opposite view, because when I need a lift, time brings a gift, another day with you. Oh, it's that's so, so nice. Yeah. And he got, he got tempted by uh, the, old, mother. Uh, the, the mother who came in that skimpy red dress and was like, hi, sir. And he, he, he was so oblivious to it. That was my favorite thing. And this yeah. one was trying to seduce him. And he's there, like, trying to sell her his little gimmicks. <laughs> exactly. I was like, that's perfect. That's how you know. That's, that's how you know. That's how you know. That's how you know. Okay. Well, with that being said, and thank you for ending us on that note, we're going to end the video. Oh, not the video. We're going to end the podcast here. Okay. And um, so, yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Don't forget to check out our social medias, which will be linked down below. Definitely give us a follow and comment your type of tropes that you like and tropes you don't like. We'll be so interested to hear. But don't forget to give a thumbs up, subscribe to the podcast, and just join the fam and join our journey along. Thanks for joining us. Thanks.